Welcome to one more edition, the third episode of The Con, which is covering The Con, produced by the one and only Patrick Lovell. Welcome aboard again, Patrick. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well. You know, a lot of interesting stuff has happened since the last time we connected. So I'm very grateful for your time. And you're busy, my man. You we're you all no, 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 no. I, I, I don't when people tell me that I I I look at folks and say, we are all busy. We are all in our different frames doing what we have to do to get this movement going. Or to keep this movement going is what I should say, because it's sort of presumptuous to say, get this movement going. It's a movement made up of hundreds of thousands of people who understand what we need to get done. Right. Well, you know, along those lines, a couple of big things happen that I'll use to dovetail on today's subject. So, you know, one of the things that put you on my radar initially was your pronouncement um, uh, and echoing and mirroring um, what I still think is one of the most important uh, moments in political history, if not recent history. It was when Bernie Sanders had declared during the 2016 Brooklyn debate that Wall Street's business model is fraud. Now, I had a front row seat to that, Egberto. And the reason being is because the gentleman that I came into contact to basically was the Michael Jordan of criminology in the United States as it relates to white collar crime is a gentleman by the name of William K. Black. For your Texas listeners, he was uh, the director of criminology at the University of Texas for a long time. Now he's at University of Kansas City, Missouri, and University of Minnesota. But prior to that, he was the general counsel of what was known as the Office of Thrift Supervision, which basically created 30,000 criminal referrals during the savings and loan crisis that sent over 1,000 white-collar elite executives to prison. So by the time 26 rolled around, there was a woman who I know you know the name, uh, Stephanie Kelton, who, oh, yeah. was, uh, uh, who is, you know, basically kind of like, um, you know, the vector, if you will, for MMT, modern monetary theory. And she also came at the, out of that time, uh, University of Kansas City, Missouri, and she was Bernie Sanders' economic advisor. And so she had uh, been integral in bringing William K. Black into the fold to become an advisor to Bernie Sanders, and he began to effectively um, introduce, um, uh, you know, create um, briefs and so forth to educate Bernie on what it was that now I'm revealing to your viewers this many years later. And um, at that moment, I about leapt through my ceiling when during the Brooklyn debate that Bernie Sanders said Wall Street's business model is fraud. Yes. But he never followed up with the details, which is what you and I are about to discuss and have been discussing. And just recently, as of last Friday, Bernie Sanders was a guest on Bill Maher with um, with Russell Brand. And Bernie's got a new book out, which is basically a recontextualization of a lot of what he's been saying for a long time. And the title of the book is It's Okay to Be Angry with Capitalism. But my biggest concern about Mr. Sanders, whom I have a lot of respect for, um, I love Bernie, I love who he is and where he's come from and what he tried to do. But what it is that I'm appealing to your audience to understand as we move forward with this information is this is like the sacred information. This is the information that the United States government made a calculated choice during the Obama administration to not do the investigation that would lead to the outcome of massive criminal indictments against the financial sector that created what it is that we're revealing to you, which are the details of Wall Street's business model is fraud. And as a result of all of these things, 
2023, I think it's more than it ever has been, Edgar, is that like, for example, last night I was just watching and I do this to get a temperature read in mainstream television. And I'm sure you do the same because I see a lot of the things that you get yeah, clips out there to react to things that are in the mainstream, you know, sort of sphere. And it's not really mainstream because it's more like cable echo spheres with big audiences. And what is mainstream anymore? Really? It's just corporate funded platforms that spin opinion that ultimately get us to things like what we're seeing is a hyper sort of like, let's say, uh, produced civil war based on hatred of identity politics to confuse the issues that nobody understands Wall Street's business model is fraud, which undergirds everything. So, for example, last night I watched uh, Rachel Maddow spin and yarn all sorts of things, you know, in her like pronouncements in almost hysteria that we're about to become an autocratic state because of the the, the insanity of the, what Trump's doing in Fox News. Yeah, of course. Okay, now point taken and point correct, except for Miss Maddow has never told you what the details are of Wall Street's business model is fraud. Why? Because MSNBC and the contextualization of corporate media is controlled by the said system that I am revealing to you. And then Fox, of course, with all of this shenanigans, not shenanigans, stupidity. And re, re, But the ultimate thing that your audience, I hope, comes to, to question through this process is that, for example, with, with the big lie and what Rupert Murdoch knew and what Tucker Carlson knew and everybody else during the insurrection, why was it up to a lawsuit by a large uh, corporation to create discovery to discover what if you were a real news organization like the New York Times or whomever, we should have had these answers probably within six months. Of the Let me tell you, Patrick, I'm glad you brought that up because I asked the same question. Right. And then in, in the darkness of my bed, the answer came. Well, that was an intra party fight. It wasn't the fraud against the American people. It wasn't the corporate state against the American people. It was two brothers having a fight. And since one of them had to win, that's the only reason that discovery came out. Because. Well, yeah, well, true. But but see, it's also it gets even more deep and weird and contextualized. But the bottom line is what, what we're trying to emulate and what you and I are trying to battle is that media writ large, particularly what we call legacy media or corporate media, is a cesspool of lies and deception without the resources to actually do what is required from the fourth estate if you want to have investigative journalism, which exactly. is to protect the people from corruption. Now, corruption is nothing new. Corruption's been a part of humanity and society from the beginning, right? I mean, we I can give you an examples of examples of examples of every war, of every schism, of every like period that has corruption at the root of it all. In our time period, getting to what the subject matter is that we need to discover is the ultimate revelation of what is called predation. So when we talk about capitalism, capitalism, and in our last discussion, we talked about late state stage capitalism, and um, you know, which is just all a, a facade. If you want to know the truth, particularly the most important aspect of all of this is we're going to get to a point where I introduce to you what the Federal Reserve did illegally to enable all of this stuff to happen that none of us can see the forest for the trees on, but it begins at the baseline, which what's known as predation which can come from affinity fraud. Now, for example, in 2000... Let, 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 me, let, let me actually stop you right there because what we want to do here, um, uh, Patrick, is play the videos that actually show some predation because remember, we're talking about how regular people got conned and specifically 
people of color and white. So take a look at this and then we'll come back and have it on the other side. Addie Polk was specifically targeted for who she was because she was living in a poor area. She didn't have any direct, you know, any direct descendants. She was widowed and she was a minority. You can go in mostly poor minority neighborhoods and you would have people canvassing the neighborhood, knocking on doors, putting flyers in your mailbox. Say, we can help you. We can get that roof fixed. We can get you new windows. And sometimes they would have information on your house that you didn't give them. They would just look up your house. That was commonplace. The weak, the meek, and the ignorant are our best targets. That's the words they put on paper to describe those folks. So it, that has meant that the quintessential victim, you know, if you wanted a single face, that face would be of an elderly black woman. That's the quintessential victim of predation in the financial sphere. Keep in mind, when you had all of these little mortgage companies, these people had to find their victims because they had to keep things going into the pipeline. They had to keep up a certain number. It started in the inner city, but like anything else, when it was getting good and the money was, then it branched out and everybody became fair game. And this is why we have to stop seeing each other by color because if it starts over there, it's gonna come over here sooner or later. And so as a result, it's now a national problem because everybody knows somebody who lost their home. The system said that poor and minorities are disposable. The system says that that was simply the cost of doing business. The mortgage company said after Addie shot herself, well, we'll forgive the loan. You should have never made the loan. You should have never made the loan. We'll forgive the loan, but she shot herself already. People can say all lives matter. I say black lives matter, not because white lives don't matter, but because traditionally when something like this occurred, no one comes to help. Black Lives Matter, Eddie Pope matters, and anyone else who has lost their home, who have lost their life, they matter. I hope, I pray that we can come to some sort of common ground that people need protection from those who are seeking to make profit. People need protection. For those of you who haven't caught Worldwide Wrestling, and Chris has been on NWA for how long? Mm -hmm. It's been about three months and we're really on a roll. You know, increasing our stations, increasing our ratings. It's, uh, it's more fun than I thought, mm -hmm. for more money than I thought too. I would train for AmeriQuest, uh, and I was immediately brought on to train um, the, I'm reluctant to use the word dregs, but to, to bring on, you know, to train people who got no mortgage background whatsoever. You know, first job and out of high school or college. Uh, they had been flipping burgers, working at In-N-Out Burgers. You know, it was, it was the warm body syndrome. 
they were consistently firing and hiring. Why firing? Um, they would have, you know, they would give a particular loan officer 20 leads that day and only three of them resulted in closed loans, whereas somebody else might be able to close five loans out of those 20 leads. It was vicious. Hispanic loan officers would screw Hispanic borrowers, black loan officers would screw black borrowers. And I would joke and always get a big laugh, even to this day, you should you should screw everybody equally, I guess was my attitude. You would say that? Yeah, yeah. And every, I mean, we would teach people how to, you know, get close to people, join meetup groups, join, you know, lead groups. Churches is a great way. I mean, you're a capitalist first. Ultimately, it's about closing the loan. Uh, Patrick, so uh, uh, when you talk about predation, it is quite evident. Let's continue. So what's incredible about what you just saw, particularly the piece involving a gentleman by the name of Christopher Cruz, who we saw indicate that he was also affiliated with worldwide wrestling at a time. He became a uh, kind of a, a, a main, let's say, trainer. He was a corporate trainer for liars loans. That he went to all of the pretender lenders, which was Countrywide and AmeriQuest and NationStar and all of these other major uh, outlets to teach what we call affinity fraud. So you'll get a broker who might be African-American and he might go to an African-American church and he might have a sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a box of he's like might be looking for, for example, African-American women who were widows who own their house that they could actually. Uh, refinance their house based on all of these techniques that we show. And what they would do is they do that with uh, uh, Mexican-American brokers, uh, Asian. It didn't matter what color or what creed or what, um, you know. Uh, creed, creed, race, ethnicity, religion. And, and, and what he said right there in his testimony to the Federal Crisis Inquiry Commission, which we just showed you, is he said that it, what matters was closing the deal, that in capitalism, it's exploiting and capitalizing what the objective is to close the deal by any means necessary. And by any means necessary, what he was talking about was thievery through deception. And so what they would do, for example, what we reveal in the kind is victims, for example, uh, were widows, African-American widows that had um, you know, fixed income because their husbands had come out of the Great Migration from the South to the Industrial uh, Midwest. Midwest. Yeah, during during the the war and that period thereafter, because they you know uh, replaced uh, the white soldiers in mass that had gone off to Europe in those theaters in Japan, and they ultimately were running the industry. Same with women, and so they got their piece of the American dream as a result of working their tails off for it. But they ultimately owned their house, and so eventually, this generation, you know, maybe late seventies, early eighties, nineties, a lot of these men passed away. They left their wives fixed income through their pensions, and they owned their homes, so their wives were safe. However, what we learned in a lot of communities around the United States is that the, um, um, like you know. Um, d different uh, counties would actually have blight standards. So they might go into, um, you know, minority neighborhoods that had, um, you know, decrepit roofs or sidewalks and that sort of thing. And they would demand that they fix these problems or they would be fined. And these women were on fixed income. And so lo and behold, just like manna from heaven, 
come these brokers equipped with this identity, excuse me, with this affinity fraud calculus would show up at their front door and say, hey, your house is now worth much more than you once thought it was. I can roll you into a refinancing loan that you've earned because you've owned your house for several decades and it's worth this much. And we know that you're on a fixed income, so you can't afford the increase in medication, the increase in 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 living. Maintenance. Everything, yes, everything has gone up. So, and now we also know that you have a fine against you and you don't know where to come up with the money. Look what I can do for you. So what they would do is they would roll these people into a loan that ultimately became a setup Mm-hmm. to steal their house and the equity in their house. And when we're talking about elderly people, particularly elderly African-American women, they didn't spend their lives going to get a master's in business fraud. So they don't have a clue what's going on. They're looking at this guy who's got a business card from what seems like a legitimate organization that's advertising in the Super Bowl, for example, if she does her due diligence. And in the case of Addie Polk, it'll lead to something even more diabolical, which is called straw buying, which I'll get into in a minute. But ultimately, the devastation that occurred, Egberto, is that by the time you get to 2009, 60% of African-American household wealth had evaporated. Now, as we further discovered, it wasn't just widows that were the initial targets of this predation screen. It ultimately had, within the verticals of all the two big-to-fail banks, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, and so forth, but specifically Wells Fargo, I have evidence of, they had what they had uh, 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 systems where they would train their brokers to in-house brokers. They weren't working with outside lenders and warehouse lenders. They they weren't the warehouse lenders in this particular case. They trained their own employees to find African-Americans and give them the worst deals possible. They were incentivized to do so, Egberto, based on what we call high yield spread premium. And so you would have doctors, you would have professionals, you would have Uh, everywhere manner of accomplished African-Americans within the system that we're all told that if you buy into the system and you come through the other side, you get your your taste of the American dream. These mammoth institutions were targeting those people. And it was insane based on this predatory lending scenario, because what they were ultimately doing was they were trying to get people to ultimately refinance over and over and over based on hyper-inflated inflated appraisal loans, which is another piece of the puzzle that we'll get to. But the targeted predation from African-American widows to ultimately the, Af- uh, the African-American community led to 60% of African-American household wealth that was realized after all of the horrors of, of uh, you know slavery and Jim Crow that led to the Great Migration that gave ultimately after when we ended up with redlining and all of those things that became the Community uh, Investment Reinvestment Act ultimately led to this perverse predation that devastated the African-American and minority communities around the United States. I think it's important for people to understand because some people listening to you and, and would say, well, some would think that you're saying either the uh, people of color community, African-American, Latino or whatever, ain't smart enough to understand that they're getting ripped off. But then again, there were doctors, lawyers and uh, et cetera, of both Latino, uh, Asian, uh, African-American descent that got Con, and of course, a lot of white people as well. But the issue here is this. It, they made that calculated risk knowing the following. You have an imperfect 
justice system, a justice system that cares very little about people of color. And even if these smarter folk decide that they're going to take the bank to court, the, the mere prejudice within that system gives the bank a higher chance of going scotch-free. True? Absolutely. And it's much, much worse than that. But to your point, and I want to make your audience aware of this, the reason I'm explaining to you the predatory aspects of this was that was the beginning. And this goes back literally to the early 90s. I mean, it goes back, if you really want to know the truth, it goes way further back than that. I mean, my God, it goes back to sharecropping, right? Right. I mean, that was the whole point of sharecropping. But when you get into this, this modern era, after all of the civil rights movement and everything else to try to to reconfigure, you know, fairness because of redlining and all the rest of it, we wind up with this predation system, but eventually it would morph to capture the whole country. So the point is, I've got a college education. I figure that I'm relatively smart. I kind of have a good idea about how things work. I'm not, you know, uh, I, I became an expert in this particular story because, because you got caught in it. And ultimately, I had the resources and I went to the FBI, the DOJ, the SEC, AGs around the country. I spent 12 years spending millions of dollars aggregating this information to get it exactly right. And by the way, we target all of the CEOs for, for, for any of your audience that are legally sophisticated for us to get the con out there. OK, to be able to get our I's dotted and our T's crossed, you have to go through so much in terms of legal sign off so that you're not held liable. So we had to pass all of those tests to get this out there, which is on the platform at, at www.thecon.tv, which is Apple TV and, and uh, Amazon right now. But it's not on HBO. It's not on Netflix because all of those guys are caught in into this as well. They, they have to get their funding, their financing, especially when things go sideways from this very system we're revealing. So ultimately, the one thing I want to make you and your audience aware of, which is extremely important to this whole scenario. So the information that I'm telling you in terms of the predation, the targeting, does that sound like that was a coincidence or does it sound like it would be intent? Oh, no, that's intent. We know that. Okay. Okay. So knowing that that's intent, I want you to fast forward from the time period that I'm talking about, late 90s, early 2000s, where this stuff really goes huge. Then we have the financial crisis that blows up the world. And eventually, our first African-American president goes eventually on 60 Minutes to say that while what Wall Street did was unethical and gross, it wasn't illegal. Given what I just told you, is that a possibility? Let me let let me answer because this is this is going to be a difficult one for me to answer, and this has nothing to do with the presidency or whatever. Uh, what did Bernie Sanders say? Because I think that's the answer. The business model is fraud. Is fraud. Okay, but hold on a second. Let's think about capitalism for a second. Right. Capitalism, as it's related to a lot of what we all talk about, right. and what I hear you talk about a lot, and everything else, is the system. This this massive fraudulent system of criminality. Okay. The problem with capitalism, the idea of capitalism is it's supposed to be risk reward. What I'm right, telling right. you and your audience is there's no risk to this. And I'll tell you why. Because eventually, as I said at the outset of this conversation, it was the Federal Reserve that stepped in to backdoor $30 trillion in 2009, right. make sure this criminal syndicate could walk, get liquidity again to move on to the next realm, which is the last 13 years, right. and nobody goes to jail. But here's the thing, intent. What happened was the people that I worked with, gave me this information. They were some of the top legal minds in the country, such that 
two of them, Catherine Engel and Patricia McCoy, went on to create the the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau with Elizabeth Warren. Okay, that's the level of people that I'm dealing with in this apparatus. They got this information that created the intent that we just showed you that was built into this whole calculus to target specific people. And then ultimately, they work that information through the system, through what was called the FOMC, through Ned Gramlich, who was then the director of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve, who hand uh, delivered this information to none other than former um, uh, 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 Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan. Now, Alan Greenspan, as it turns out, and the Federal Reserve are mandated by Congress through what's known as HOEPA statutes, Homeowner Equity Protection Act. There's tons of civil rights laws that protect consumers and citizens from predation based on what we call asymmetric information. To your point, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, educated, whatever. If you don't know the full picture and it's buried and you could never find it in a million years unless you have the CIA working with you, and even then you still don't find the answers, that's because it's baked into the system based on this predation through asymmetric information. It's it's a shell game. So ultimately, um, you know, nobody could identify what was happening because they couldn't see the forest for the trees because how could you? These but are again, you asked me a specific question. You asked me if I thought it was illegal. As a layperson, I would say it is illegal. As a system, uh, as a system that is based on fraud, I am not a lawyer to say how you would con- how how do you assess guilt in that regards. Well, but it, it, the whole thing there's there's probably a myriad of laws, but the most important one, which I'm telling you, is homeowner Equ- homeowner equity protection act, which Congress mandated and said in its vernacular, shall to the Federal Reserve ma- uh, regulate predatory lending. This isn't something new to the system. Do people know about predatory Let me ask money? a question then. In in that regards, Patrick, uh, these laws, are those civil or criminal? I, I don't know the uh, – in other words – They're both. It depends okay. on who's going to bring what and how and who can. So, for example, attorneys generals around the United States, most of them only have civil authority. There right. There are three AGs around in the United States that have criminal uh, authority. That's New York. Uh, Ohio and California, which will come into play, which is extremely important here. Okay, but going back to my, my previous point, I it demonstrated um, uh, con- w- w- in the previous uh, uh, chapter we talked about control fraud, why CEOs create the scenario. But then we now we're at the base level talking about um, predation. talking about predation, but affinity fraud, which is based on the formula that I just told you that was discovered by these experts, which prove intent. That intent got carried through the system all the way up to the chairman of the Federal Reserve, who was mandated by Congress to regulate this if he had the information. And guess what? What Robert? Uh, guess what? Uh, Alan Greenspan did nothing. Even more than nothing, he 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 outright said, "I'm not going to look at this and drop it." He basically told the the the, the chairman of the who was on the FOMC committee, uh, the head of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve that he was not going to look at the information that Congress mandated to the Federal Reserve to actually regulate. Now, here's the ultimate freaking whodunit here, okay? 
So when the system collapsed, when we had 600 to $800 trillion in derivatives that blew up the world's economy between 2006 and 2007, that was mandated based on the big shorts and so many other aspects of the derivatives that Bernie Sanders, again, when he talks about Wall Street's business model is fraud without the details that I'm providing to you, he neglects to tell you that he was also, by the way, the guy who actually did a FOIA request that led to a... Um, a, um, uh, a journalist from uh, Bloomberg that got inside what the Fed was doing, that the Fed circled the wagons to try not to get Bloomberg to be able to show this information of what the Federal Reserve actually knew and what they did. Because at that time period, while we're all thinking about what was happening, what was known as TARP, which was the Trouble Assets Relief Program, which the Obama administration and the powers that be at that time, and which were Alan Greenspan, well, he just retired, but it was Ben Bernanke and then uh, Robert, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, who was then Timothy Geithner. And then, of course, um, uh, before that, um, the, th the trifecta, Hank Paulson. OK, Paul, yeah. so, that whole, so that whole thing configured this backdoor move to where we ended up giving 30 trillion dollars that nobody knows about to Wall Street when they had done everything that I'm telling you to do that they did in addition to the former chairman of the Federal Reserve. So let's put this into perspective. Take what happened during Watergate, okay? Take about the, the burglary, the break-in, to get information and secrets um, that led to the impeachment of the president of the United States and everything that came with that. Compare that to over 16 million filed foreclosures based on predatory lending that blew up the world that led to $30 trillion being backdoored to this criminal organization. Now, do you understand the details of fraud a little bit more thoroughly than when we have a, a blanket statement that just says Wall Street's business model is fraud? It's, it's built deep, on like predation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's built in predation. Yes. And again, the predation started with we, we where it always starts and it ended up with everybody. And in a lot of ways, when you hear me talk about that is why we have to unite the barrios, the ghettos and Appalachia. That is what I'm talking about. But what, is it, but what does it sound like, Edgar? What does it sound it's fraud, like? It's fraud. It's illegal. Does it sound like organized crime? It is organized crime. Okay. If it's it's organized, not, it doesn't sound like organized crime. It, it is organized. So if it's organized crime, is there by chance a remedy for organized crime that you're aware Rico of? Rico and many others, yeah. Okay. Did you ever hear about a Rico conviction? Never. For, oh, guess what? What? We found the only RICO conviction in the entire country. That and wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. And I think it was that Indian guy, right? In New York? No, it was not. It was because I mentioned to you just a minute ago, there's three states that have uh, criminal prosecutors. California, New York, and Ohio. Yeah, and the former AG of Ohio put together a task force, incidentally and ironically, made up a bunch of white cops that ended up figuring it all out. And they figured it out because of predation. So ultimately, here's the story that we revealed. Through the tragedy of Miss Addie Polk, a 91-year-old African-American widow who was a church-going member of her society, lived within her means, suddenly is having her house stolen from her that she doesn't understand, that she tries to tell the cops to help her. They don't. They send out the cops to evict her from her house. She ends up shooting herself in the chest five times to commit suicide instead of live in the streets. Through her tragedy, which was horrific, and it's been with me every day since I found out about this, she opened up this miraculous doorway to the only RICO conviction in the United States. And as it turns out, in our work, we found out that the AG of, New of Ohio 
was through his team members trying to get the FBI to act on this. Now, this is what's really interesting. The FBI actually was acting upon this because they're the ones with the national, um, you know, um, uh, what is it called when you have, you know, because you know how police only have districts that they can work in, right? They right, have jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. I'm so sorry. So the FBI has national jurisdiction. As it turns out, the FBI had done a national dragnet because they knew this was going on. They even did it publicly. But even in that time period, which was 2004, we had a, a lot of information that people couldn't see the forest for the trees. And as it turns out, that was under the George Bush administration, where his attorney general forced the investigation to stop because, and this is just anecdotal evidence, but I'll ask your viewers to try to put two and two together here. The largest contributor to the George Bush presidency wasn't Exxon. It wasn't all the military industrial complex, which you would expect, especially from you're from Houston and you know how powerful those industries are. It was Roland Arnall, who was the CEO of AmeriQuest, who, as it turns out, was the largest predatory lender in the United States. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Well, let me tell you, um, let me tell you for those that are listening, we have two more episodes of this con with uh, Patrick Lovell, the um, the producer. But there's something that I am going to tell Patrick right here that, you know, we haven't really spoken before. We are very good at telling everybody all that has happened thus far. Uh, on our sixth chapter, this is, the, this is supposed to be five episodes. On our sixth episodes, episode, what I want us to do is we are going to provide potential marching orders to let folks use how they are already empowered to start solving this problem, to start taking the economy to where it really belongs, owned by us. So Patrick, first of all, producer of the con, I want to thank you so kindly for spending this time to inform us, to enlighten us with much of what you've researched and found, what you're still researching and finding. And as we go through the next two episodes, let's prepare to tell our audience not just what the problem is, but how can how each of them can be a part of the solution. Perfect. And I would encourage everybody. Uh, thank you for that. And I can't wait to really lay that out even further because I'm in the midst of that every day. But please find me on Twitter. Um, I think my Twitter uh, handle is Patrick Level One. Um, and uh, join me there. Uh, also, I, I will have all your your information in the blog. I'll have your 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 Twitter information on the caption as well, so that people can start reaching you, reaching out, and us. Just like we have our PDR Posse community, com, com, uh, community, I want us to merge that with the Con com community because this is a part of something that has to get done, but it has to have many eyes because when Absolutely. there's only one or two. They can always Absolutely. knock out the one or two. When there are many, it's much harder to do. I'll, I'll put it in this perspective, and I know that your audience probably knows this if they're listening to this, because it seems like a long time ago, but it's not. By the way, it never ended. It's 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 continuing. I get calls all the time from people like, hey, I just discovered you. Did you know X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, are you kidding me? This has been going on. We had 16 million filed foreclosures in 2009, 12. Basically, that's three person per household. That's 48 million people. Then you had the pensions that were destroyed. Then you had municipalities. Then you had states. Then you had other countries. We're talking 100 million plus people around the world that for the last 13 years didn't know what hit them. 
and nobody's gotten bounced back because the problem with media is nobody knows who did what, when, and how, because it's corporate owned. It's basically high school. Nobody does investigations. We have, and to your point, my friend, thank you for doing the work that you're doing, because the only way we can do this is independently the way we are. Patrick Lovell, producer of The Con, thank you so kindly once more for being here on Politics Done Right. Thank you. Thank you to your audience and all the best to you both. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.